Uh, so when I look at my logbook six months or a year from now, is there any general guidelines to evaluate my progress that my leaving weight on the... Did the numbers go up? But did they go up enough? If I only go up If five, they're still going up, they went up enough. If you only got five pounds over the next year, no, that's not enough. But if you do that, you're not doing the program. And a year from now, they're not going to be going up like they are now. You know that, mm -hmm. right? You know that that's not going to happen. If you do the program the way we tell you to do it, it's quite thoroughly detailed in those two books in front of you, your numbers will be up. Well, you have to resist the temptation of is modifying that program. Do it like it's detailed in that book. And everything will be fine. Don't throw in a wad. Okay? Just do the program as it's written in the book. Okay? That's your only concern? No. What's the other concern? Well, so I wish I was an athlete, my, or my banker does. I do too. But uh, so my performance is moving landscaping rock or something like that. So what's a pro, what, what should be my goals? So I understand getting strong is beneficial. Yeah. Is there anything else? How I mean, old what, are you? 40. 40. You're just a child. <laughs> you're a child. You're 40 years old. You're your mother's milk. I still see it on your chin. <laughs> okay. You just need to get strong. You're right. You, you know, you're about 10 years beyond where everybody wants to be, which isn't very far. What else would you like to do besides get strong? Get more handsome? Do you have a Grow hair better? <laughs> I mean, all we do with this program is get you strong. I can't make you more intelligent. I could suggest that you learn to play a musical instrument. That would help. I was 40 when I started playing the trumpet. But as far as what we deal with here, we're just here to get you strong. So, yeah, I think you need to get strong. If you wait till you're 60, it's going to be harder. It will, in fact, be harder. So, get busy. All right. Um, I guess... Where do you see, where do you see starting strength going? And like, where's your end goal as far as your training project for starting strength? So maybe five years down the road or where do you, where do you plan on taking this? Is this? Well, we're trying to grow the number of, uh, of seminars that we do per year to expose more people to the method. That's going to require uh, a, an improvement in the national economy though, I believe. Uh, the upcoming election uh, could
could present problems for that. Uh, if it does, we will just trundle along the best we can and hope that more and more people begin to appreciate the value of what we do here. This seminar is not like anything else in the industry, is it? I mean, have you been to anybody else's seminars? Been to weekend fitness yeah. organizations certification program, right? There's nothing like this in the industry. Absolutely nothing. And <clears throat> the more people find that out and more people begin to value the exposure you get to the to this method here and see the potential of it both in terms of uh, its ability to make a gym money and its ability to make everybody stronger which is good then the more people will start coming to the seminar and the more starting strength coaches we can identify and certify and the thing just grows from there what we are not going to do is relax our standards to facilitate that happening faster. That will not happen. So if five years from now, our 120 coaches is only 300, wait it. But we're not going to relax the standard. This is the only credential in the industry that requires the candidate's demonstration of the ability to actually coach the movements before you can even take the written test. It's unique in the fitness industry. Nothing even compares to it. Do a few idiots squeak by every once in a while? Yeah. <laughs> but... Not many. And we're in the process of hunting them down and killing them. So if, you know, the, I, there's a demand for this product, everybody that has this credential is busy with it. It's hard to obtain and it's therefore valuable. And we're not going to diminish the value by making it easy to obtain. We've seen that happen before. And it's not going to happen to us. All right, so this is a little bit more along the lines of a, a programming type question here. So it should have been asked a little bit earlier. But this is kind of aimed at, at all of you guys that are starting strength coaches. Um, so a lot of what I have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is high school athletes. And it's a small school, so they play multiple sports throughout the context of the year. Yep. Um, as far as that makes programming for an entire year kind of a nightmare. Um, so like the starting strength model works uh, really well during the summer because it's an off season for everybody and I get a chance to at least see them for sure three days a week. Um, and then during the course of the year, um, you know, football season or volleyball season, I get to see them three times a week and maybe basketball season, I see them once or twice depending on the week. Uh, what ends up being effective over the course of an entire year to make sure that they're still content. At the end of the year, their numbers are still higher than what they were beforehand. Um, you know, just from, like again, you know, a starting strength 
if I have a kid squat, you know, what he perceives as being heavy on Thursday and he's got to play a game on Friday for football, he might not be recovered from it. Um, and then it's kind of similar thing in basketball there. Uh, so what, what needs to happen to make sure that it can be, you know, I can kind of oscillate my programming over the course of a whole year to make sure it's still effective for them? Well, let me first say that uh, it is extremely difficult to correctly program strength and conditioning for high school athletes who play four sports. They just don't have time to train. More importantly, it's 2016 and none of the little bastards will eat right. enough food. They will not eat enough food because they've got other things. They have a different agenda. Their appearance is foremost on their mind. Abs are fashionable. They won't eat enough food. It's extremely difficult without the time and the capacity to recover to get a lot accomplished. We can't make that different than it is. This is the law. Okay, we can't operate outside the context of physiology. We understand the stress recovery adaptation cycle and it must be facilitated by training and things you do at home like eat enough or, the, or it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. That having been said, if you have access to them twice a week, <coughs> then they squat, they press, they deadlift. If you have access to them uh, once a week, they squat, press, deadlift. Twice a week, they might squat, press, deadlift one day, squat, bench, power clean the other day. But it all boils down to this thing right here. Can they get stressed appropriately, recovered adequately from the stress in order that adaptation takes place? And the sad truth is maybe they can't, especially if they won't do their part of the deal. If they can't hold up their end of the deal, then there's not anything you can do. It's like his question over here. What can I do with somebody who's not motivated? Nothing. Sorry. Yeah, what's amazing though is a 17-year-old kid will often make progress in spite of all these issues. Right, right. He'll play four sports and he'll still make progress because he's 17 years old. Right, it's right. Weird, right. So what I definitely would not worry about is overtraining the kid. Okay. If a kid's got a game on Friday, I would squat his ass off on Thursday. Okay. He's 17. Right. He's 17. He'll recover. I mean, a certain amount of certain amount of magic occurs with poisonous levels of testosterone that happen in 17-year-old boys, you know? He's got testosterone poisoning. You can, you can use that if, and really what I said earlier about, about maybe they can't make any progress, it's really actually rare that they don't, and when they don't, it's essentially always because they won't eat. It's just always, because they, if they'll just eat a little bit more than they're already eating then they'll make pretty good progress because 
testosterone makes up for a lot of uh, ish, other issues with recovery, right? But I can't stress this enough. If the little bastards will not eat anything but a Pop-Tart for breakfast in the morning, and then they go to the school cafeteria and eat that bullshit they serve in there, it's, it's just tough, man. And if, if their parents aren't paying good attention to what they're feeding them, you know, I mean, you, you have to eat. And if they won't eat, you know, it's a problem. But if they will eat, you, you can, you know, like I said, in our program on the board, you just aim at the program and it still works. I guess, what do you tell parents that say, you know, I don't want my kids to lift in high school or whatever because they're going to get too big too fast? What do I tell stupid parents? Basically I say, okay, thanks for coming in. Bye. I can't make parents smarter and I can't tell them what to do with their kids. You notice how willing I am to embrace the attitude that I can't fix everything. It's part of being 60 and having been defeated a number of times. Right? If people say that, I well, to begin with, I'm not going to put myself in a position to listen to that stupid shit. Okay? I had I had a kid, oh God, five or six years ago, there was a kid over at uh, one of the high schools that I had known for a while and he was, he was coaching uh, at one of the high schools and he came over and said, would you, uh, you, know, we, you know, I'm getting my ass handed to me on this, this football season and I know we need, to be, we need to be stronger. Would you come over and talk to the booster club and tell them we need to lift weights? And I said, no. Hell no, I'm not going to do that. Go over and beg your booster club to please believe that I know what I'm doing? No, I'm not going to. Well, I know what they think. I know what they think. All I can do is tell them it won't. All they can do is ignore the evidence that it, that it won't. And if they're in a position to do I can't do anything about what they do to their children. You know, I can't make them feed them correctly. I'm not raising their kids for them. I don't want to raise their kids for them. Yeah, they're wrong. I know. What can we do about it? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. Hillary Clinton's about to be elected president of the United States. What can we do about that? Not a goddamn thing. Is it going to be bad? Oh, yeah going to be really bad. What can we do about it? <laughs> I think God did. Sit here and watch. It's like we always do, you know. So what you have asked is a rather existential question to which I have no answer. There's lots of things that we cannot fix. Parents believing pediatricians is one of those things. Parent takes the kid to the pediatrician pediatrician says, oh, it'll stunt their growth. Lifting weights will stunt their growth. <laughs> what are you going to do with somebody that believes that shit? 
<clears throat> you know? I mean, we're up here, Kansas, Nebraska, they grow hay up here, right? Kids work on the farm, right? They go out in the field, throw hay on the trailer. Or they're all like this tall. Well, stunted from lifting weights. They got stunted. They got growth stunting. So you got a whole, whole generation of Kansan, Nebraskan children who had to haul hay when they were kids. They're just tall. Well, you see them. Hell, we saw five or six of them down at King Kong today eating lunch. Because they had to lift hay, load hay in the trailer when they were little kids and their growth got stunted, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know what to tell people like that. <laughs> Do you really believe that that occurs? Have you ever seen it occur, doctor? Have you ever seen How many patients do you treat with growth hormone because they lifted weights and got their, <laughs> their growth stunted? <laughs> what do you do with that? I don't know. Just laugh at it, I guess. But if you got a set of parents that are, in fact, that dense, you can't do anything with it. Don't even try. Get them out of there. Get them out of there. Remember, we're narrow casting. So I think pediatricians are frustrated on a lot of levels. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. They like to make legislation. Oh uh, yeah, they're yeah, real happy to do that. on that. But uh, so, what are the implications of strength training on longevity, and virtually over virtually any other activity? Or to put it another way, why do people still jog? It's not 1970. I don't know why people still jog. I don't. Uh, they like the feeling of having accomplished something, I guess. It's easy to jog. It's easier to jog than it is to squat a PR set of five. All you gotta do is put one foot in front of the other. There's no skill involved in it. You get hot, sweaty, tired, exercise. It's just exercise. Exercise is good, right? Burns calories, right? Everybody jogs is skinny, right? Everybody. I, I don't know. I had a guy join the gym oh, a long time ago, and uh, when he joined the gym and started training with my kid that was doing personal training up there at the time, uh, he was like 63 years old, and he was a frail old man, and he remained a frail old man for 25 years until he finally died. A frail old man for, for a quarter of his life, more than a quarter of his life. Uh, article about it on the website. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a common problem. And, it's, it, and Sullivan addresses this in the book. The concept of the compression of morbidity. Right. What you want to do is go 80 miles an hour and then run into a bridge, right? Yeah, or whatever, you know. <laughs> but I mean, the whole thing is to live life as hard as you can live it. Be strong 
and train hard and take a great big bite every single day until you fall over dead. Not to spend 20 years laying flat of your back in a nursing home. You, you don't want to do that. So, yeah, I know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's and the solution is laying right there. Okay? It's, it's just laying right there. But I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people who are not interested in solving this problem. Because the, there is an industry devoted to people laying on their backs in nursing homes. There's an entire industry, a whole bunch, millions and millions of people who would rather that our vision of this age thing not come about. They're perfectly happy wiping your grandfather's ass in the rest of them and billing insurance and Medicare for it. If he gets up and walks out of there because you get his squat up to 95 pounds, that's not good for them, right? It's just not good for them. So there'll be, there'll be some pushback. I mean, this thing's built into the deal, right? This long, slow slide into slime is the model right now. Now, the, the people that are not particularly interested in continuing that model are these people's kids. Right? They would rather their parents were not laying in a pile of their own waste in a, in a rest home, right? But the industry itself is very powerful, very well funded. I, I don't, you know. And there's virtually nobody telling them. What they need. No, there's no, what they're telling them is, is you just sit there, dearie, sweetie, they call you. When you get in a rest home, they call you sweetie, right? You've been to a rest home? They call you sweetie when you're in a restaurant. Or even in the hospital, they call you sweetie all the time. Especially if you're over 50. They call you sweetie. So the LVNs and the nurses and all this, you know, the people that own this, these facilities, the insurance companies and the giant corporations that own chains of rest homes and hospitals are not interested in this approach.